Consider what God is doing in the midst of all the trouble and turmoil that surrounds us. Next. Those that love him, those that are called according to his purpose. Don't you think for a moment, everything you're facing, all the issues of our culture, all the government edicts, all the restrictions, all of that is ever, never, ever going to stop the will of God in your life. He's using it all for you. It's all being worked together. You look at it and go, well, it's meant for evil. It's meant for evil. Perhaps it is meant for evil, but God has meant it for good to bring it about this day, the work he wants to accomplish in your life and mine. When you lose the big picture, you lose faith. When you lose the promises of God, you lose faith. You can only make it by faith. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. There comes a time in all of our lives when somebody will hurt us or they will do some evil action against us. It's then you have a choice to make. You can turn bitter and angry, and many do, or you can take steps to reconcile and forgive. As we turn to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 22 today on Abounding Grace, we recall the story of Joseph. You're about to hear what his brothers did to him, and it was terrible. But we also want to take notice of how Joseph extends forgiveness, kindness, and comfort to them near the end of his life. Let's join Pastor Ed Taylor and see how we can do the same as we have opportunity. Let's just consider for a moment the hurt and pain that Joseph went through. Joseph was just a kid, highly favored by his dad, of no fault of his own. His dad loved him more than his others. That was a fault of the dad, but it wasn't Joseph's fault. And because of that special favor of his dad, because of that special favor of his dad, his brothers, it says three times in one section, hated him. They hated him. There was great, significant jealousy and sibling rivalry in this family. His brothers were not the best sort. A couple of them raped and murdered. It was a bad, difficult, dysfunctional family. And because of their hatred toward Joseph, they came up with a plan, a conspiracy to kill him. But cooler heads prevailed, and instead of killing him, they threw him in a pit to die. And still yet, cooler heads prevailed. And instead of leaving him in the pit, they got him out of the pit. And I'm sure Joseph thought, okay, finally, it's enough. It's enough. Let's go home. Instead of going home, they saw these Ishmaelite slave traders coming, and they sold their brother. They literally sold their brother for money, for silver, as a slave, in every sense of that word. And he heads into Egypt, and he gets sold again to a man by the name of Potiphar. Potiphar was a high official in Egypt. And again, coming out of the pit, looks like, I'm good, looks like things are getting better, they get worse. 
You traveling there in shackles as a slave, you brought to this slave market, you're bought by a high official, and it looks like perhaps, I know things are bad, but we're going to make the best of it. And he comes into Potiphar's house, and he is so well, God is with him, the Bible says, he's so trusted that Potiphar allows him to oversee all of his house. Very rich, successful, high-level official in Egypt. But Potiphar has a missus. You know what her name is? Mrs. Potiphar. We don't know what her name is. Mrs. Potiphar. She sees young Joseph and his attractiveness, and she attempts to have sexual relations with him, and he refuses, and he says no. Well, this infuriates as she day after day was throwing herself upon Joseph. Infuriates her. She accuses Joseph of rape. Her husband believes her, throws him in prison. And once again, Joseph is paying the price of that initial hatred of his brothers. And there he is in prison, forgotten. And I know we always try to look at the situation and see the best in it, but he was in a deep prison in shackles. Yes, God was with him. He was given responsibility over others, but you know, it all depends on how you, what you emphasize. Yeah. Oh yeah, Joseph had all that he wanted. He was so good. He had this responsibility in prison. Or you could look at it this way. Yeah, you know, Joseph had responsibility in prison. Falsely accused. And then two guys get thrown in from the court of, of, of Pharaoh. Uh, he talks to them, interprets their dreams. One's released. Well, they're both released, actually. One is killed and one lives and restored to his place. And before they leave, Joseph says, remember me. Would you tell Pharaoh about me? Remember, it's not Pharaoh. Why am I here? It's not true. Would you? And wouldn't you know it? It looks up. They leave. Things are looking up for Joseph, and he's forgotten. And then finally, word comes into the prison. Joseph, Pharaoh wants to see you. What? Pharaoh wants to see you. And remember, God revealed the dream to him. There were going to be a years of famine. And as he opens up the wisdom of God to Pharaoh, he becomes second in command. And we think kind of the story's over there, right? Well, look what God did. He's second in command. Yeah. Separated from his dad and his brothers and his mom and his family, his nieces, his nephews, his home. Oh, he's second in command, but it's been a hard, hard life. Just like the life some of you have lived. A hard, hard life. And hard, hard lives are not made up of years, are they? They're not made up of months. They're not made up of weeks or even days. Hard lives are lived one moment at a time. One situation at a time. Even as we're living in one of the most unprecedented, difficult times in all of our generation, you're finding things, aren't you, stacking up this and this and this and this to where you two are at a tipping point. Tensions are high. Frustrations are high. I mean, you're right on the edge. I wonder how many listening to me today have already chosen to walk away from the Lord, already cho chosen to walk away from that new fact. It's been too hard. It's been too difficult. And then you mix in your own opinions. You mix in the unfairness of it all. You mix in the possibility of conspiracy theories and political advantages. And you look at it, you go, it's just unfair, it's unfair, it's unfair, it's unfair, it's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong. If that's how you feel, then you understand Joseph. You understand his life. Except for Joseph, all of this came at the hands of his family. His messed up, dysfunctional, upside down family. You know, we can't all choose our families. 
but we can choose how to respond in our families. We can't choose who adopted us, or we can't choose what family we were born into, or what foster home we came into, or what grandmother raised. We can't choose those things. Many of the choices in our life have been made for us, but we can choose how to respond. That's where Joseph is. So now, at the end, it seemed like, you know, the, Jacob and his sons, they all got that land of Goshen. They're starting to thrive. They're, everything's turning around for them. Joseph revealed himself. It's been great. They've been living it up. Fifty plus years they've been able to enjoy Egypt. Now Joseph's coming to the end of his life. Jacob is dead. Jacob's dead. Dad's gone. This would be the time. This is it. And you know, the brothers are the ones coming up with that. Joseph's not thinking about it. The Bible doesn't say he's thinking about it at all. It says the brothers are. Because unconfessed sin has a way of eating up a person. It has a way of destroying the inside of a person. Because think of this from the brothers' perspective for a moment. They know what they did. Every moment of every day. They had to do something with it. They didn't tell their dad. You know, on top of everything they did to Joseph, look what they did to mom and dad. Coming back with his, his clothes soaked in blood. Your, your son is dead, dad. Uh, you'll never see him again. He's gone. And to think of how many times they heard their dad weep and wail. You know, for this, it ruined Jacob. This completely changed his life, the loss of his son Joseph. It completely, it, it, it changed him forever. And there is brothers, every one of them, had to deal with the fact that they knew the truth. That they not only, you know, this is the thing about lying. You know, you think the lie is an event. And it is. A lie is an event. But if you don't tell the truth, then you are now living the lie. And when you live a lie, and you live with unconfessed sin, it grows. And the only thing you can really do is learn how to stuff it down. The only thing you can really do is how, how to harden yourself toward the cries of someone else. The only thing you can really do is, is just talk yourself out of it. No, nope, it's not that big a deal. No, nope, God already forgave me. I can't tell you how many times somebody will come and confess sin and they sin against another. And they go, well, God's already, well, you got to tell the other person. You got to ask them for forgiveness, like the advice of Jacob here. You got to ask for forgiveness. And they'll say, oh, no, God's already forgiven me. Hey, for true repentance, you deal with everybody. Psalm 51. You not only sin against God, but you sin against man. And so this is good advice from Jacob. Hey, you better, you better ask for forgiveness, boys. You better mean it. What you did was wrong. As we'll see in a moment, Joseph called it what it was. It was evil, wicked, these boys. This family was messed up. And after dad dies... The boys come and say, the brothers come. These are grown men, by the way, and call them boys. These are grown men with families of their own. They finally come to the place where they ask for forgiveness. They ask for forgiveness, notice, and, and see what the response was. Verse 19. Joseph said, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? He says, don't be afraid of me. I'm not God. And isn't it good sometimes just to remember, you're not God. The Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And it's good to know that I'm not responsible. I'm not God. So everything that's happened in my life doesn't end with me. It's father filtered. Everything that comes into your life is father filtered. It's filtered from him and it goes back to him. Because there's a bigger picture of your life and mine. 
So he says, I'm not God. And then he says in verse 20, one of the most epic Bible passages, one of the most epic passages in all the Bible. He looks at his brothers and he says, but for you, you meant evil against me. That's true. Joseph called it what it was. He didn't minimize it. He said, what you did was evil, wicked. Not like they needed to know that, but it's always good to dwell on the truth. What you meant was evil, but notice. But God meant it for good. In order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. For you math majors, let me give you an equation. Let me help you with something. You might want to jot this down. It's so beautiful. Repentance plus forgiveness equals reconciliation. Repentance plus forgiveness equals reconciliation. And four things are gifts to you and me in reconciliation. Notice what they are. Number one, when there's forgiveness and repentance, there's reconciliation. Number one, notice, there's, when, when that happens, number one, there's no more fear. You don't need to be afraid of being caught, being found out. You don't need to be afraid of any consequences. No more fear. You don't have to fear the person. It's all out in the open. It's you admitted it. They forgave you. God is at work. Number two, not only is there no fear, but number two, there's provision. There's provision. There's a lot of needs that come from brokenness. And whatever you need, you're no longer walking in the darkness. You're walking in the light. God is ready to provide. Just like Joseph says here, as he stands there as a representative of Jesus Christ, I will provide for you and all of your family. Which means, remember, as a born-again believer, all the generations of your family change because of you. Everything changes going forward. God begins to work backwards, but everything changes because now of your faith, now you're leading your home in the ways of God. You may not have been raised that way, but now because you're born again, you're raising your kids and grandkids. You're talking to your family. So number two, there's provision. Number three, notice, when there's reconciliation, there's comfort. <laughs> I love that. You're just comforted. You've been all so filled with angst and difficult. But when there's reconciliation, God comforts. Remember, God is the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation. And then notice the last one. When there's reconciliation, there's kindness. There's a sweetness that returns. And you're not always on edge anymore. You're not always so mad anymore. You're not always so beat. It, it's, there's freedom through forgiveness. There's freedom through repentance. And there's freedom when those two come together, when reconciliation shows up. No more fear. The provisions of God, comfort and kindness. So good. That's what's happening here. You guys meant it for evil. But, but God is bigger than this. God is bigger than this. Notice verse 21. Well, verse 22 says, Now Joseph dwelled in Egypt, he and his father's household. And Joseph lived 110 years. And Joseph saw Ephraim's children to the third generation. <laughs> this is where you read the Bible and you just miss. Like if you read it too fast, you're just kind of going through the, your daily reading or reading it through and you miss it too fast. Let me just repeat this, okay? This is Joseph who thought he'd never see his dad again who thought he was abandoned by his family, 
who thought perhaps in any time, if I was in Joseph's sandals, I certainly like, forget this. What's going on here? What is happening in my life? That's this Joseph that was thrown in a pit. That's Joseph that was sold as a slave. That's Joseph that was accused of rape. That's Joseph where everybody believed the accusations. That's Joseph that was thrown in prison. That's Joseph that was forgotten in prison. That Joseph, that Joseph. Do you guys know the Joseph I'm talking about? Listen, he saw Ephraim's children to the third generation. The children of Maker and the son of Manasseh were also brought up on Joseph's knees. Joseph not only saw his kids, he saw his grandkids and his great-grandkids and his great-great-grandkids, and they sat on his knees. Joseph was given the privilege, the great privilege of being a strong influence in their lives. Can you imagine being those kids on the knees of Joseph? Joseph talking to him, hey, I want to tell you about Adam and Eve and how God created the world. See the stars? God created those. He has power that his word, he just could speak forth in existence, God could. I want to tell you about Cain and Abel, you know, you brothers, you be careful. You be careful because there was already hatred and there was already wickedness in the fall of man. And, and when, when Adam and Eve made those decisions, your great, 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 great grandma and grandpa, when they, and they, they so hated, there was such great hatred between Cain and Abel that there was murder. I want to tell you about Enoch. This guy lived like forever and then he just disappeared. Just up, God took him. But he knew what it was like to walk. I want to tell you about Noah. Noah never saw a drop of rain. You know how it rains sometimes? Yeah. Well, he never saw a drop of rain, but God told him to build a boat, and he built a boat. I want to tell you about Abraham, Sarah. They were so old. There's no way they could have a baby. Ha, ha, ha. That's so true. You know, now you kids are all like, oh, don't talk about that. I don't want to know. No, they were so old. Their bodies. But God gave him and promise after promise after promise after promise. And then I want to tell you about my, your uncles and how bad it was. I'm sure he didn't rehearse the whole thing, but he says, I want to tell you about a pit. Come on over here, guys. I want to talk to you about what it's like to be in prison, what it's like to be forgotten, because you're going to have a hard time too. This world's going to be hard because sin. He, he, got to, he got to raise his kids and grandkids at his knees, and I imagine the stories that he told them. Who could have predicted that all that Joseph experienced and endured would lead to this? Nobody. Ever. And Joseph, verse 24, said to his brethren, I am dying, but God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land to the land of which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. Then Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones from here. And so Joseph died, being 110 years old. They embalmed him and put his coffin in Egypt. Genesis 50:20 reminds us of the New Testament principle Romans 8:28. God is working all things together for the good. Those that love him, those that are called according to his purpose. Don't you think for a moment everything you're facing, all the issues of our culture, all the government edicts, all the restrictions, all of that is ever, never, ever going to stop the will of God in your life. He's using it all for you. It's all being worked together. You look at it and go, well, it's meant for evil. It's meant for evil. Perhaps it is meant for evil, but God has meant it for good to bring it about this day, the work he wants to accomplish in your life and mine. When you lose the big picture, you lose faith. When you lose the promises of God, you lose faith. You can only make it by faith. When you lose faith, you start to doubt God. You start to neglect God. You start to ignore God. And then before you know it, you're in the world 
and now you've become of the world. And it wasn't even your choice. It was just your responses to the difficulties of life. Joseph here, at the end of his life, he knew Romans 8.28 before it was ever written. <laughs> he knows it before it was ever New Covenant. He knows it before Saul of Tarsus was ever born. He looks at his brothers firsthand and says, everything you did with the wrong motives, you were wicked, evil, and sinful. Well, guess what? God is bigger than your evil, wicked, sinful ways. And here we are, boys, saved by God. <laughs> and look, I got all these kids and grandkids, and God is doing a work. And by the way, God's not done because he's going to visit you guys, and you're going to leave Egypt. You're going to leave Egypt, and you are going into the promised land. God has a promise for you. There is a greater one still to come, the Messiah, Savior. He is to come. You will not stay here. Now, think about this for a second. In Egypt, Jacob's kids, the children of Israel, had it made. This is the epitome of kingdoms in Egypt. They were the richest, most successful, gold, silver, food. They got that whole land of Goshen for free. They, they're multiplying all their possessions, all their cattle, all their money. They came in destitute and begging for grain. Now for these last years, 50 plus years or so, they have multiplied, multiplied. We're not leaving Egypt, man. <laughs> uh, we like it here. But they had to exchange, as you'll see Moses later, the passing pleasures of sin for the promises of God. You're listening to Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. Hear this program again anytime you'd like at AboundingGraceRadio.com or through our church app. Do a search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play to download that to your mobile device. Pastor Ed, we saw a beautiful example of reconciliation today between Joseph and his brothers. What would you say to the person listening who desperately wants to reconcile, but the other party isn't willing or wanting to repent? That's like super hard, Larry. I can understand that on a very personal level. It is really, really hard wanting to reconcile, but the other party is continuing on in their self-aggrandizement sin. It's painful. I don't know any other way to put it, but it doesn't relieve you. Listen, listen. It doesn't relieve you from your biblical mandate to forgive. So you walk in forgiveness, hoping, praying, waiting for change to take place on the other side. And when and you, you go, well, Ed, well, how, how will I know? Oh, believe me, you'll know. It will be evident, just as like Charles Spurgeon once said, and I'm going to paraphrase him. Uh, to the degree and the, the publicness of your sin should be the degree and the publicness of your repentance. So I think, you know, all the things that, was that were written on Facebook, all the gossip and phone calls, all that, like there will be a, a very clear change of heart, and then there'll be new posts on Facebook. I was wrong. I lied. He's not like that. She didn't do that. There'll be a series of conversations with all the people they defiled. There will be, you remember, remember what happened with Zacchaeus? Like it was evident. Repentance was evidence. It won't be, as I've heard before, well, you know, I'm sorry kind of that you got hurt because I didn't really do anything wrong, but I, since you got hurt, I guess I'm sorry and uh, let's move on. Yeah, that, that's not going to work. Like, what do you mean? It's, you're making everything still my fault. Take some responsibility. And yeah, 
I just want to validate again some of the questions that we've had lately is just validation that what you're feeling is authentic. Abuse is real. Gaslighting is real. The 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 fact that there's no repentance but they blame you is real. But you don't need to get into all that. Just abide in Christ, enjoy him, worship him. Live your life in obedience to him and he so the Bible says this, and I'll end with this, Larry. If your ways please the Lord, he can even make your enemies be at peace with you. So love your enemies, serve them, do good to them. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, so don't get back. Don't think don't take things into your own hands. You know, don't don't get into an argument on Facebook and just let them post it. Keep a screenshot of it, let them post it. Pray over it, let them post it. The Lord's going to deal with them but you deal with the Lord, right? Lord's going to deal with them, but you deal with the Lord. That is very helpful. Thanks again, Pastor Ed. If your desire is to have a deeper experience with God, you'll want to read The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. This devotional is really an invitation to think deeply about your faith as you come alive to God's presence, surrounding, sustaining, and pursuing you. And we'll send it your way with a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace today. Call toll-free 877-30-GRACE. Again, we're at 877-30-GRACE. You can also order resources like this online at calvaryco.store. We'll return to Hebrews next time out on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. See you then. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.